For some background information, I was born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska. I decided to start my undergrad studies in a small college town in Montana. Anyways, due to many financial pitfalls, my family and I decided that me moving back home and going to school locally would be our best bet. The academic year wrapped up and my mom flew down to meet me for our road trip through Canada, before re-entering the US on the Alaskan side. Of course, because I had intended on living in Montana for four years, there was a lot of junk in my car weighing it down, so I wasn't so keen on speeding through unfamiliar roadways. The first day or so was great. My mom and I stopped here and there to do some shopping in a few larger Canadian cities. Overall, we made a point of traveling mostly during daylight hours, but during the early mornings and evenings, I usually drove. My mom had eye surgery a year or so before all of this, so her eyesight tends to be not so great at night. So on the third night I'm driving us to our hotel in Dawson, Yukon, and things are going fine. We are a bit behind schedule and it's getting dark faster than I would have liked though. Somewhere after Stuart Crossing, we end up with this guy tailgating us with his high beams on. I'm kind of annoyed because I was already going nearly 10 kilometers over the speed limit. So I moved to the side and I waited for the guy to go around me. I would like to point out that this was a single lane, two-way road with nearly no traffic. Despite me getting out of the way and waiting for this guy to go around, he seems to mimic my movements, staying right behind me even as I move almost off the road. By now, I begin to feel this heavy, cold feeling in the pit of my gut, and my mom begins panicking. As I've said before, the woman's as blind as a bat in the dark, and I'm having a fairly hard time making out anything in the mirrors with these guys' high beams blinding me. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a maker model of the vehicle, let alone a license plate number or anything about the driver. This all continued on for a while. I dropped down to the speed limit, sort of putting my foot down and saying, If this guy wants to speed, he... It could have very well been a woman for all I know. They can go around, in a sense. But still, the tailgating and high beaming continued, even as other people passed and flashed their high beams at this person. We were maybe 10 or so kilometers outside of Arlington when things escalated. As we were getting closer to civilization, Arlington at least, my mom told me to just speed up and lose him. The driver suddenly sped up as if sensing that I was now actively fleeing and attempted to ram us from the rear driver's side. It might have been sheer luck that they missed or that I accelerated faster than them. As all of this was happening, my mom was attempting to get a call through to the emergency services. Only neither of our phones had a signal. We had a local carrier and even in Montana, the service was terrible. By now, I'm easily breaking the speed limit by at least 20 kilometers an hour. When the engine behind me revs up and the vehicle, a large SUV I now realize, zips around us and suddenly slams their brakes with their vehicle diagonal to us. I slammed my brakes in response and nearly lost control as I drove almost entirely off the road. In the passenger seat, my mom is screaming hysterically, but I barely noticed at the time. In front of me, I can make out several figures in the SUV, only I wasn't terribly focused on much. All I remember was practically seeing red before shifting into reverse and hitting the gas, before shifting back in a drive and speeding forward. I narrowly missed the back end of the SUV in the escape. 
After that, I wasn't entirely sure what happened. I was speeding off and the vehicle was still following, but further back. As we pulled into Arlington, they disappeared into some side street, and my mom and I debated going to the police. We stopped at the first place with lights on, a hotel, and my mom ran in to use the phone. I waited in the car, trembling from the rush and anxious in case that SUV was still prowling around. I tried to rationalize it. Maybe just some teenagers who didn't understand driver etiquette or how to drive around someone. Maybe it was some prank. I consider it might have been insurance related, but they seemed more interested in forcing me off the road than making me hit them. In the end, nothing was or could be done by the local police. So my mom and I hurried along to Dawson, alone and slightly paranoid. When we got back, we agreed not to share this with my dad, because he was already controlling and paranoid enough as it is. I suppose his paranoia is not without reason, since if things had gone differently, I might not be here to share this story with you all. It was summer, I believe the day after the 4th of July, and my husband and I were in the middle of a cross-country road trip. We were driving through Texas, and for any of you who have driven across the entire state of Texas, you know that it is very long and very barren. Sometimes we would go hours without seeing anything at all, and the towns we did pass through didn't consist of much more than a rusty old gas station and a few dusty little houses. Looking out the window, you would swear you were just driving through the same five miles of desert again and again and again. I had started getting a headache, and my husband suggested that I take a quick nap to get rid of it. I remember allowing myself to doze off as I watched the beautiful colors of a desert sunset. The slowing of the car woke me up, and the first thing I noticed was how dark it was. I believe it was around 10pm. My husband had stopped at a gas station with a small shop. He told me that he was going to grab us some food and asked if I needed to pee. Knowing that I might not have another chance for quite a while, I went into the shop to use the restroom. Both the men's and women's restrooms were down a little hall from the open area of the shop. I was groggy and tired and realized how badly I needed to pee, so I shuffled into the restroom. As I made my way the short distance from the door to the nearest of the two stalls, I made eye contact with a woman coming out of the only other stall. She didn't quite look homeless, but she was definitely messy looking. She had wild gray hair, almost shoulder length if it hadn't been sticking out every direction from her head. It looked like it hadn't seen a brush in weeks. She was wearing ragged looking clothing, a pair of ill-fitting black workout shorts, and I remember noting her foam flip-flops. Several layers on top, one of them being a large purple and green coat. Keep in mind that this is Texas in July. The jacket was just hanging on her shoulders, crooked, like she hadn't bothered to take a few more seconds to put it on correctly. She was carrying something in a tied-up plastic grocery bag. I gave a quick smile as her eyes met, and she just stared at me in return and then her face turned wild and intense looking. Her eyebrows were set as if she was angry, but her eyes had a wild alive look. She looked at me like she was hungry, and this is when I felt the first tinge of something wrong. I tried to brush it off. She waddled over to the only sink, and I took my time shutting the stall door, 
because something about her posture in front of the mirror struck me as odd, and I was trying to figure it out. She was standing with her body angled towards me, but her face was turned to the mirror. Her body was tensed, legs slightly crouched as if she was ready to act. Her hands were not up by her face or trying to fix her mess of hair or even being washed. They were at her sides, elbows also slightly bent. I wasn't sure why, but I suddenly felt uncomfortable. I regretted leaving my purse and cell phone behind. I shut and locked the stall door and took my time using the toilet. I wanted her gone before I left the safety of the stall. I stayed there long after I had finished, but the woman was still there, so I waited longer. Finally, I heard the smacking of her flip-flops as she made her way out to the door. I heard it open and then slam close. The door was pretty heavy and it slammed the same way when I had entered. I stayed for a moment and allowed the wave of relief to wash over me before I reached for the lock. And then I paused, fingers only an inch from the lock. I stayed as silent as I could manage to confirm what I had just thought I heard. Yes, breathing. The woman had only pretended to leave. At this point, I was scared and confused. Why had she tried to trick me into thinking she left, only to stick around and be quiet as possible? I knew something was very wrong. So I stayed in the stall even longer, and this time, it must have been at least 20 minutes, but I had no way of knowing for sure. I could tell from the direction her breathing was coming from that she had positioned herself in the far corner right next to the door, but far enough that I couldn't see her feet. Finally, I heard her leave. This time I waited a few minutes to make sure that she hadn't tried her trick again. I slipped out of the stall, quickly washed my hands and rushed down the hallway to the store. It was pitch black outside and I had no idea where she was. She couldn't be far. A large man was checking out at the register so I waited near a window display until he left the store and quietly slipped out the door behind him. Sure enough, crouched right outside the front door is the woman. She seemed surprised as she stood and turned away, walking quickly around the side of the store. My husband was waiting in the car and asked if I was okay, since I had taken much longer than usual, and I said that I would tell him all about it once we were far away from that store. This happened only a couple of nights ago, and I'm still really shaken up so I apologize if my story seems all jumbled up. I'm still processing this. A couple of nights ago, my boyfriend and I took a brief road trip down to a neighboring state to see Sam Smith. Before we left, I was working 10 days straight at my job and getting about 4-5 to five hours of sleep a night. So I was super exhausted and very easily upset over small things. This may be important to note later. The drive there was fine, albeit exhausting, but we made it to our hotel with plenty of time to spare. We decided to shower and get some food before leaving the hotel for the concert. And I decided that we would Uber since the concert was in a downtown area that I had never been to before. And I also knew traffic was going to be ridiculous. And considering I'm running on fumes at this point, I decided Ubering wouldn't be a terrible idea. Our Uber driver arrives and the ride there is pleasant. We get to the concert venue and easily find our seats. And then the show begins. I wanted to take a lot of videos on my phone, but I only managed a few, 
As my phone was at 10%, and I knew that I would need to contact an Uber and pay, so I turned it off. The concert ends, and after battling through the crowd to get outside, I turn my phone on. It's now only at 7%, so I can call an Uber. It's now about 11pm. As this was my first time, I wasn't expecting prices to jump ridiculously high. So, my boyfriend suggested that we walk around the block or so and check downtown while we wait. I agree, and we walk. About 30 minutes later, we stop by the entrance to a small courtyard or park about a half a block away from a gas station. My boyfriend tells me to book an Uber, but my phone dies before I can. Being the paranoid, anxious, and easily stressed woman that I am, I start to have a panic attack. Like a full-on shaking, crying, can't breathe enough or slow down my breathing. Sweaty, heart-pounding panic attack. I begin to overthink that we are now stranded downtown with no way home. I thought about getting a cab or the bus, but I had no cash on me and it was getting late. My boyfriend, bless his soul, is much more logical and rational when dealing with stressful situations and suggests that we go to a gas station and see if we can get a charger for my phone and plug it in there. I can barely talk or walk at this point, and my body is physically just not functioning. So he helps me sit down on the bench and tells me that I'll be right back and not to go anywhere. Nothing sketchy happens while he's gone, and when he comes back, he helps me to the gas station and lets me know that he told the police officer in there what had happened. The officer was really understanding and he basically bought a charger for us and stood by my phone until it booted up. After taking some deep breaths, I get my phone and I try to get an Uber. This is when I'm told that I have no money in my debit card. Now, I begin to panic more. Here we are, alone in a more shady part of downtown, with bars on the windows of a gas station at night with no money and no way to get home. Again, my rational boyfriend reminds me that I have a credit card, and after checking the balance, I have just enough for the Uber and gas for my own car when we leave. So, I book another Uber. It says he's about five or so minutes away, so I calm down a little, but not much. I tell my boyfriend that I'm going to step outside to get air into my lungs, and he tells me that he'll be right out. He's going to give me a water. There was a very long line in the gas station, and with all the people staring at me, I didn't want to be in there any longer than I had to be. So, I went outside and I stood by the ice machine. This is when things started to go bad. A few moments later, a white car with its windows rolled down parks in the parking lot of the gas station. There are two rough looking guys in the car. One white with what I think is brown hair and stubble. The other black with dark blue or maybe a gray or black shirt on wearing a hat. And I feel them staring at me while I try to get my breathing under control. At this point, my hands have gone numb, and I'm finding it difficult to keep my balance. I just wanted to get home. And then two other guys came around the corner and walked over to the car. They talked for a little and exchanged glances in my direction, and I hear them laughing about how messed up and strung out I was. I guess they thought that I was high on something and either having a bad trip or coming down, and I didn't blame them. I felt really terrible, and I'm sure that I looked the part. I just tried to ignore them, and when my hands were shaking so bad, I would check my phone to see how close the Uber was. Now he was three minutes away. 
I glance through the barred window and see my boyfriend only a few people away from the front of the line, so I feel like everything will be fine. But I was wrong. The two guys who were outside of the car started catcalling me and trying to get my attention, and I continued ignoring them. And then they started coming towards me. I knew I should have moved or said something or done something, but I was frozen. My throat was closing up, and I felt the panic coming back again. They continued catcalling and asked what I was doing alone, asking where I was going, what I was on, and so on. One of them started touching my arm and getting really close, and I barely mumbled out that I wanted them to leave me alone. They laughed it off and said that they could take me where I needed to go, and I felt them starting to pull me towards the car where the guys were waiting. I tried fighting them off, but I was so weak. I could barely walk or stand on my own. I felt like I was going to vomit. I wanted to scream, but nothing came out. I kept mumbling that I wanted them to let me go and leave me alone, but they didn't listen or didn't care. They just kept saying that we were all going to have fun. I felt one of them grabbing my butt and squeezing it. We were right at the car. The smell of pot and cigarettes and alcohol filling my lungs as one of the back doors opened, and I couldn't do anything. I felt so stupid. I felt like I deserved this because I couldn't fight back. I tried one last time to break free, but their hands were like claws digging into my skin. Just as I was about to be shoved into the car, I heard a familiar voice shout, Hey, what are you doing? Along with footsteps approaching. Before I knew what was happening, the guys threw me on the ground and climbed into the car peeling out of the parking lot and down the street before their doors even shut. I couldn't even process it all as my boyfriend ran over to me and helped me off the ground. I just started crying. The police officer was outside too, talking into his radio about what had happened and asked me if I was okay. I said I was, but I didn't know if I meant it or not. I still don't know. If they had just been a second too late, I would be in that car with them right now, going who knows where to have who knows what done to me. The Uber arrived not long after that, and after speaking briefly with the officer, we got in the car and went to the hotel. We got there safely, and once we were in the hotel, I stopped shaking. I couldn't sleep though, and even though I'm back home, hundreds of miles from the creeps, I can't help but be paranoid that they'll find me somehow, or somehow I'll run into them again. I don't like thinking about what could have happened to me, but I can't make my mind shut off. I can't make it go away. I guess what I learned from this and what I can tell all of you is always make sure that your phone is charged, that you have enough money, and that you don't go anywhere alone. Even if it's just for a moment, you could still be taken in an instant. This past December, I had taken a road trip down to Myrtle Beach with my family. It was myself, my mother, my sister, her husband, and their two kids. We had used my car and both my sister and husband's car to transport everything and all of us. We had rented a beach house for a little over a week. We had a pretty great time. I was in the middle of a difficult point in my life, and struggling with employment and being in between jobs, and having just started two new jobs fresh. I was a little low on funds and worried about making my car payment and the like, 
So, I opted to head home two days early with my car so I could try and get more hours at work. My family expressed being nervous as I planned to leave after dinner and drive through the night to get home. I consoled them that I had been okay to be up all night and I would head straight home and only stop for gas and food as needed. I'm an excellent driver, a tad impatient so I tend to go until I absolutely had to stop and take a break. However, this would be a 12 hour trip and I knew that I would need breaks. So I made a point to stop at every rest stop to at least get out and stretch so I stayed awake and didn't get too sore. Going through West Virginia, I'm sure you guys know how secluded their rest stops and visitor centers are, especially when you're heading north from the south and going through the mountains. I stopped at a visitor center because they advertised having a fast food joint and I had to piss like a racehorse. This was sometime very late at night, maybe between 1 and 3 a.m. Side note, that sends shivers down my spine after what happens. I like to drive barefoot, so I pulled in. Noticing the buildings with fast food were closed, so I drove around the lot and parked under a streetlight in front of the visitor center so I could use the restroom. Leaning out of my car door, I took my time putting my shoes on to walk inside, having looked around and not seen anything out of the ordinary. I checked my phone and grabbed my wallet before standing up to walk in, making sure my car horn beeped to signal my doors were locked. Walking towards the center, I saw a man in a white hoodie standing at the edge of the sidewalk leading into the center. I didn't think much of it, until I passed him and got an off vibe. I glanced over my shoulder and he was watching me walk in. For some reason, I glanced to my left as I turned back to face forward and noted another man sitting at the benches that were on the other side of the tall thin bushes. Instantly I thought, nope, no way. I went in and I peed, and before I walked out of the bathroom, I called my roommate. As dumb as it was because he was a good four or six hours away, I just felt safer. I gave him a quick rundown of my situation, and I made him stay on the phone with me. I started to walk out and I couldn't see the man at the front of the sidewalk anymore. I glanced to my now right, and saw both men standing next to a bench. Facing forward, I saw a couple walking in to presumably use the restroom as well. I had an impulse to ask them to walk with me, but my paranoia kicked in because I knew something was wrong somewhere in my situation, and I didn't ask, thinking they might know the men. Walking briskly to my car, I explained to my roommate that the men were by the benches, daring the smallest of peaks over my shoulder again. I saw the man in the white hoodie walking towards me and I told my roommate. Walking a few more paces forward, I looked back and I saw his pace had quickened. At this point, I told my roommate that he's following me to my car and I booked it. I thankfully had a key fob, got my key out and ready and unlocked my car and practically threw myself in. Not daring to glance back, I threw my car in reverse and gunned it backwards before going back into drive, and I sped off. And I didn't even stop to put my seatbelt on until I was at the exit to leave the parking lot. I didn't look back once. I stopped at the next toll road and filed a report and the workers called for state troopers to head over and check things out. I didn't stop shaking for hours and I refused to get out of my car until I was home. I horrified myself at the thought of, if those guys had paid attention and made their move more quickly, they could have incapacitated me in my car while I was facing the ground and putting my shoes on. 
and I would have had no way to stop them. 